On the All American Dream Podcast, we are a team of title experts on a mission to provide valuable and tangible advice that will help you grow into the best version of yourself, both personally and professionally. This kind of growth takes time and effort, but we're here for the long haul and ready to put in the work. Are you? Today, we are joined by Isaac Contreras. Isaac was first introduced to the world of real estate as a loan originator, which contributed to his experience in the industry and proved to be a valuable background when he decided to become a real estate agent. Now, he's the founder of the CML Group at Keller Williams. Today, Isaac shares facts about the Latino population's influence in the real estate market and how that has impacted his business. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Welcome. So we were kind of just talking about this offline before we started um, to record, but tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the industry, where you came from, where you are like now, kind of a little bit of who are you? (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's always, uh, it's always kind of intimidating or kind of, uh, I get a little shy when it comes to starting to tell my story, right? But uh, South St. or I'm a St. Paul kid. Okay. Born and raised on the west side. And uh, I left home. I joined the Navy. I was in the Navy for a little over five years active. And I came home and bought a house three blocks from where I grew up. That's the guy I am, right? <laughs> I'm that guy who did that. Um, and so we're, you know, third generation here in the in the Twin Cities. And I say that because I'm, I'm Mexican uh, origin, right, of Mexican descent. And I, I always like to point that out because the West Side is the oldest Latino neighborhood in the state of Minnesota. I'm very proud of that. And so that ends up being part of who and what my identity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when uh, fast forward to real estate, a uh, few different adventures, uh, and, and I ended up here in real estate. And I, it was a circle back to be, being a real estate agent because I was a real estate agent in 2008 nine, oh. 10, you know, kind of like when everybody else was a, a loan officer yes. at that time. Yes. Um, you could throw a rock and hit a loan officer. And I was <laughs> one of them. Right. And so I had, I had clients, um, but I, my business didn't survive the bubble. Right. And so I went into different directions. I stayed in sales. I enjoyed sales. Uh, and I found myself at Transport America. It was an over the road trucking company. And I was there for a little over seven years. And I really loved it. I really loved it because they had asked me to, to lead several teams. And, you know, I, I enjoy that, being able to lead teams, being able to find and pull the best out of people. Mm-hmm. And so in that time period, no one in the industry was making any money. And so I was part of a layoff, a round of layoffs. And I found myself looking to reinvent and retool and real estate circles back and my wife had brought it up and she says well why don't you become an agent this time because i had put myself out on the market i had a few folks that asked me to become a loan officer again and she had asked, she had mentioned being an agent this time mm-hmm. and i visited i visited i visited you know you do that reflection yeah what do i want to be when i grow up and I found myself on this side of the transaction because I found that during the time that I was a loan officer, too many of my clients, I would put it in the high 80s as far as percentage-wise, did not like their real estate agent. Mm. Yeah. They didn't, there was just, there was too many. 
and then the work that was being done wasn't good. And you saw the, re the result of that <laughs> because yeah. we had a huge bubble. Right. Right? right. And so I wanted to, I knew there was a need that needed to be met. There was gaps that I could fill and I didn't have a problem answering the phone or making the calls, but I didn't have a problem answering the phone and returning phone calls. So that's kind of how I found found my way into real estate and just uh, picking up with that familiarity of the industry and just really wanting to fill some of those gaps. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That is awesome. And it's kind of cool because you get to, since you were a loan officer and in the industry already, yeah. you get to kind of like see and learn from other people and what they're doing because you were saying like there's a lot of gaps you wanted to fill but then yeah. also for the ones that 20 percent that was doing a really good job too yeah. you could see why they were doing a good exactly. job and how you could implement that for yourself too. that's exactly right because what i one of the things that i realized and what's different this time around in the industry is that at that time i was chasing transactions mm -hmm. versus actually building a business mm -hmm. and so in, in, in that reflection and seeing who did make it through is because majority of those that did make it through, uh, they had built a business so that they could that they could continue to continue that business, right? Versus where I was just chasing transactions and it, and it wasn't about, I enjoy building the relationships, but I wasn't, I didn't know how, I didn't have any guidance uh, on really building something that was relational and had serious longevity so so it was more transactional yes. for you and yes. then when you came back you knew it needs well like it's it can't it, be the same can't, result. it needs to right. be more relationship based Absolutely. and building and then you also have that knowledge that you can speak to your clients i Correct. mean obviously things do change and we're f at cds per huds and all that kind of fun <laughs> yeah. stuff but like you do have the knowledge that you can help Absolutely. and talk them and speak like to be able to say to them okay well this is actually what the yeah payment is or why yeah, it's no, is that way and how we get there yeah right? mm -hmm. and that was uh and i i really enjoy that piece because when i meet with folks and walk them through those different sections and it's not it's not a i end here and someone else begins and then that's it i we do have those roles we do have those i end here and your loan officer begins here that is not a that's not a um it's not a hard line to define mm -hmm. and it's really easy to stop there. But if you can at least let them know what's going on on that side, mm -hmm. then it becomes a more empowering thing. And that's one of the things that I always tell my clients, uh, my customers is, is, and we do this in the buyer's consult. I said, Hey, look, I'm going to tell you something that most agents, if any, will never tell you from the moment that you decided whether you had the capacity to do it or not, from the moment that you decided that you wanted to buy a house, you are now operating from a position of power. You are the one driving who represents you in the transaction, who helps you, represents you in getting the funding, in the title work, mm -hmm. in, the, in, in, the, in the inspection, all of those pieces. Now, I'm here, one, to, and it sounds cliche, I'm here to, you know, earn that position or earn your business and things like that. But I really work really hard to make sure that they understand that they are up, whether they're able to do it in, in, in three days or, you know, I know like eight people that could spot a house, turn around and buy it in, in the next day. Wow. 
Otherwise, we're all waiting in line for money. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're all waiting in line. And some folks, it takes two, three years. And I'll stick with them and we'll talk and say, hey, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what needs to happen. But uh, um, when they understand that they're operating from a position of power, I feel like they, they uh, um, see the transaction as more than just a transaction, but as a, as a tool to get to whatever it is that they want to go for. When, when folks call me um, and ask, you know, they want to buy a house, I, I don't think I ever ask, well, how many bedrooms do you want? I don't ever ask in the first part of the conversation. I never ask how many bedrooms. I never ask square footage. I never ask how many garage stalls. My first question is, what's going on? What's going on that you now want to buy a house? Right. Because the process is, is the same, pretty much the same for a majority of folks. But the why, the motivator, that's really what it is. And if you can identify that, then you can get them into the right place. And if you can identify that, then they stick with whatever obstacles come up because mm-hmm. they do come up. 100%. And so there's that opportunity to remember why are we doing this? And everybody's motivation is different. Wealth accumulation, family growth, downsizing, anything mm-hmm. like that. But if you start off with how many bedrooms, you don't understand the why do we need these many bedrooms. And it's kind of comes as transactional. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Like you're trying to get through it to the next step before understanding the context of the situation and what's actually going on in their life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that was the lesson that I learned in, in how to make sure that as best that I can, that it's not just a transaction. That This is actually something I want to work with you on in, you know, making dreams come true. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 So speaking of building your business, when we first met, you yeah. shared a lot of really impressive statistics about the Thank Hispanic you. population yeah. and the opportunities within with that they have within the real estate market. So can you talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Absolutely. So one of the roles that I've played here in the last since uh, 2019 is as an officer, as a board member of uh, the local chapter of NAREP, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. And it's a 40,000 plus member national organization, uh, just over 100 chapters across the country, including Puerto Rico. And uh, it's it's a business organization. And it's the largest Latino uh, based or Latino uh, business organization in the country. And we have a local chapter. And that started officially started in the January of 2019. Okay. And so I've been a board member for some time. I was a past president, um, or I'm the past president, and I'm currently the governmental affairs committee director. And so we have, as part of the organization, nationally and down through locally, we have different initiatives uh, that we focus on. Governmental affairs committee is, is one of those committees that we have within the organization, within the chapter that focuses on the local governments and three main uh, three main objectives, three main points of focus, both nationally, all three through locally, and it's uh, immigration, housing inventory, as well, and the third one is access to credit. 
So when we're talking about the Latino population, when we're talking about the purchasing power, a few things that I had, I had mentioned to you was, one, is that our buying power, our GDP, the U.S. Latino GDP, is at $2.8 trillion. Okay, Now, to put some perspective on that, if we were a country, a U.S. Latino, if we were a country, we would be the fifth largest country in the world. Wow. That's incredible. We're talking United Kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. Yes. It's incredible. We're larger than uh, Australia, uh, Korea. We're larger than Russia. And they're waging a pretty much a world war. Right. 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 I mean, and that, so that, that is the size of the U.S. Latino population. And so what does that mean when it comes to real estate? Well, there was some. Uh, it was a study done by the Urban Institute, and using Census Bureau information, using a number of different pieces of information, what they discovered was that for the next 20 years, and this is a report that came out in 2020. So now, for the next 18 years, um, for the next 20 years, 70% of all new home ownership will be coming from the Latino population. Which so is let me, huge. So let me say that, yes. Yeah. 70% for the next 20 years is coming from the Latino cohort in the United States. And that is such a big thing. Well, let's just put it like this. What if they're wrong? Mm-hmm. What, if they're, what if it's 60% over 15 years? You right. know, it's still it's, such a huge piece. I was going to say, it's still a massive number. Yes. Yeah. You can build a career around that. Be you bright. can adjust and and not only can you but you really should look to adjusting your business model and i don't come here with you know the and i and i you know one of the things that i appreciate about having this conversation it's not this isn't a dei conversation for me this is a market understanding kind of a conversation Mm -hmm. hey this is what's happening take notice and that's at a national level when you bring it down to the local level, when you bring it down to the state level, mm-hmm. the population in the in, in the Minnesota has grown tremendously in the since 2010. We are now at, depending on who you ask and exactly what year, uh, we are at 345,000 Latinos in the state of Minnesota, with a 10 up to 10 billion dollar buying power. Right. With a B. With a B. That's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> we're contributing over $600 million wow. in taxes. I mean, that's, and that's buying power. That's market. So understanding that we are no, no longer an emerging market, understanding that we are the new mainstream economy is important. And I love sharing this information. I love having these types of conversations because it helps Folks, it's no different than having the, the, you know, when you're talking about real estate, it's no different than having a conversation with a, with a real estate agent or a broker or whoever, you know, whatever, about the power of video. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> who's, who's performing? Who, who's, who's doing the most amount of, the mo- highest number of transactions? The ones that are actually have embraced video. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you apply that same type of logic to understanding the buying power of the Latino community here, not just locally, but nationally or back at you, back coming back locally. That, that, is, that is a business model or a, 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 um, 
a factor to take into your business model. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing <laughs> all of that. But and and I'm just curious on how because that's kind of a little secret. Yeah, I feel like a, like a little. I don't feel like a lot of people know that information. No. No. I know. I was like, I was shocked when you first told me that. I was like, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How have how is no one else talking about this? Well, so <laughs> there's there's a few different factors here. One, we are flyover country. You know, when people are thinking about the Latino community and Latino markets, they're not thinking about Minnesota. Right. I experienced this when I was in the Navy. When I was in the Navy, and a little over five years active, so I was on ships. I was on bases, things like that. I had served with some wonderful people. In that time frame, no one, no one had ever guessed that I was from Minnesota. And I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not blonde, you know, so it's not like, <laughs> you know, I think I fulfill features that would be typical of a someone who has Latino descent, right? And so, and I, it's bilingual. So it's not something that I was hiding behind or something shadowed it. I was clearly Latino. And with that, for the entire time, and I'm talking about folks from California, from Arizona, from Chicago, which is typical high Latino populations, no one ever guessed. Well, I'll take that back. There was one guy who guessed after like four guesses, and he just (laughs) threw out Minnesota. And I said, yep, you're right. He said, what? You're from Minnesota? It's like, yes. He goes, how many of you are there? <laughs> I said, well, if you include my family, there's 27. <laughs> he goes, no, really? How did you guys get there? And I says, well, someone had to pick the sugar beets and onions. And he laughed. And I says, no, seriously. That's how we, we go to where the work is. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, no, don't apologize. We're very proud of who we are and what we do and how we get here and what we're accomplishing. So please don't apologize. But understand, I I recognized that flyover country uh, understanding Mm -hmm. at that time. I didn't put it together until I started looking at these numbers and really started embracing them and understanding that we're a mainstream economy, not an emerging market. And so in Minnesota, whenever I'm presenting, whenever I'm talking to folks and having these types of conversations, I get the same look that you just get. You're like, what? So that's one of them. It's like that's one piece in understanding that we're flyover country. The other person is the narrative that you see in the in the media. Yeah. Okay. If you watch the media, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share something on on that too. So. If you were, if you look at the Census Bureau, and this is information from the Census Bureau, so you can go back and, and confirm it. When you look at that, uh, the Latino population, we are are just under sixty four percent of the Latino population, the U.S. Latino population, is born in the U.S. And that number throws people off. So if there's ten of us sitting in the room, almost seven of us are all born here, right? And that throws people off because if you watch the news for more than five seconds, right, you would think that we are still a perpetual immigrant, right? Mm -hmm. You throw that number into Minnesota and it jumps over 70%. Mm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I say that because the narrative in the media tends to be (laughs) that we're not 
we're still, you know, low percentage, but no, it's quite the opposite. So how have you taken all of this information and implemented it into your business oh, and I, educating and how, how have you taken all of this and like implemented it into y- your business, your team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, part of it has to do with, I just, I just love the education piece. I love showing the opportunity. Like if, if, if I didn't make a dime talking about this and, 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 and it, I, I, I'm passionate about it, right? Explaining to folks what it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. And the way I've implemented it is really empowering folks, saying, hey, look, you can. You can. And so when folks people believe that they can, then they start to act differently. And so when, when, when we start having these conversations and start educating folks on the power that they actually have, they start to recognize that it's something that belongs to them. They start recognizing that they belong in the room. They start recognizing that that seat at the table that they're taking up actually does belong to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's very empowering. And I and when I can put that information out there like that and empower folks, I love it. Like I, I dig it. I love I love it. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. How do you um, stay up to date on this information or like all the statistics that yeah. you were talking about? Like what resources do you use to find this out? Uh, I spend a lot of time. I, well, Google, right? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, and YouTube. Okay. And then uh, I, I did pick up from your, your uh, episode the power in the search of TikTok. Yeah. So I'm going to start using <laughs> oh that. Yes, yeah, I was paying I attention. That. I was paying attention. Very <laughs> valuable content. Uh, but I do. We do have with NAREP annually. They have a uh, uh, state of ho- Hispanic home ownership report. Mm-hmm. So that's an annual report that that puts all of this information together. So it's not something that I'm just making up. It's it's I'm going to this source as my main source. And then I, uh, uh, from there, I'll dig a little bit deeper into the Census Bureau. I'll dig into a little deeper into Freddie Mac reports. Uh, locally, we have the Minnesota Latino or Council of, of Latino Affairs. And so they do studies as well. And so we get those statistics and that's, and then we, ha- we also have other uh, uh, groups like the Latino Chamber of Commerce, um, Latino Lead, said it has a local chapter, all of these groups are gathering that information for us. And, and so I, uh, I don't like being wrong. <laughs> so well, I like, like to arm myself, <laughs> to arm, like to arm with myself with uh, uh, a good, a good conversation. Yeah. yeah. I have a random question. Sure. Sure. Do you still live in that house in St. Paul? You know, no, I do not. Okay. I do not. And I drive by it and there's a lot of memories, but you know, I was, I was from here before I came here. Um, I did have a meet up with someone on the west side, and at a new uh, new restaurant. Uh, and it, see, like, and, and see that even that I like being a part of because the guy who I was having a conversation with, he owns the place. He started out in a taco truck in the parking lot of an auto auto zone, right? And so he worked his butt off, and now he's got brick and mortar. And the people that are going in to see him are loyal customers from 
when he was operating out of the parking lot. Wow. Right? Like American dream kind of stuff. Yeah. That's why I love the title of your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so that kind of stuff I, I get passionate about. I say, hey, what are you doing? This and that. And is this your place? And we start talking. And my, you know, my mom lives eight, eight and a half blocks away from there. Mm. So bought some food and took it up to my mom and and uh, offered to shovel, which she still doesn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, here, have some lunch when you work up that appetite. <laughs> if you knew my mom, that would all just fall into place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but So, no, I do not live okay. there anymore. Uh, like I said, it was three blocks from where I grew up. Um, I ended up uh, buying a house, and we moved to South St. Paul, you know, big, huge leap. And that actually was a very big leap for me because uh, I was so tied. My identity was tied mm-hmm. to being, you know, on the, being on the West Side, not just being a West Sider, because I still am, but being on the West Side. But she's, she grew up in South St. Paul. She graduated from South St. Paul. Her family's from Texas. They're Tejanos. And, uh, and so she moved, or we moved to South St. Paul, but recently, about eight weeks ago, we bought a house in Zimmerman. <laughs> yes. Wow. Switching you, it up. You're leaving. Yes. 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 It's, I know it's so hard. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. It's, it's very easy, but it's, it's such a big change and it's, you know, a stage of our life, things that we want, yeah. but we're, we're still, I mean, I'm, my business is mobile, right? Right. It's Absolutely. very mobile. So being there isn't as difficult as some may think, but it is, it is a bit of commute. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like I'm always 20 minutes away, <laughs> even, even after driving 40 minutes, like, man, am I almost there? No, I'm not. The, the, yeah, Google Maps, she's still telling me 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> That's exciting, though. That's yeah. a very exciting change. It is. It is. And, you know, the, the best part about it is, and, and we have an experience, because we did buy a house and it was on the lake. It checked off a lot of boxes, right? And one of them being that it had to be within an hour of my mom's house. Like that was super important to me. And, and so it checked off a lot of boxes and we're, so we're, we got a house, it's on a lake, super cool. Um, and uh, we can't wait until spring, but we've already been sharing our house, right? We've already had friends and, and, and visitors from out of state come and so i can't wait until the summer where we can keep doing more of that yeah one last question for you okay is i feel like i might know the answer to this but i feel like you're going to surprise me anyways is what would you tell like isaac's in 2017 (laughs) lizzie always tries to make this question fancy (laughs) every time what would you tell me she's clarifying it for you i don't know she's like what she really means is every time i try to about it every time i try to do it so it's like switching it what would you tell yourself like in the beginning of your real estate career yeah 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 Yeah, i think i got it that's good i was trying to make it like magical grace in 2017 (laughs) what would you um but what would you tell like as you like a newer agent or like yourself what would you say is like do do this do do this business no do this real estate or what you should do like in order okay yeah burn the boats burn the boats so when you have the mentality that there is no plan B, plan A has to work. Mm. 
And so you've got to dedicate and commit to whatever plan A is. Like, this is what I'm doing. And I had, and, and I come to that, con- I came to that conclusion, I came to that place because of the, so when I was at the over the road trucking company, when I was there, somebody else decided whether or not I was going to be there or not. And it it didn't surprise me, and and this is the way I put it, it didn't surprise me, but I was disappointed. And it didn't surprise me because I was in leadership, I was in management, I did know the numbers, and I knew the numbers of the industry, and so I knew those things. And so it's very similar to what's going on right now as far as, hey, the industry's changed. There's a lot of folks that are 30, 40 50% 50% behind what they had planned on being. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you've got leadership changes going on. You've got a lot of folks getting laid off in the real estate industry. And so I knew the numbers, right, at that time. But I was very disappointed because I felt like I had uh, uh, invested enough of myself, my time, my energy, everything. Because I, I kind of always take the approach of, I want to I want to work to own a piece of the wood, right? I want to work to own a piece of this place. Whether that's actually a possibility or not, it, it, it really wasn't. It was it was a corporation and whatever. I wasn't in, on that trajectory. However, my efforts were. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted folks to know I took ownership. And so when somebody else decided that you no longer have ownership and you're super disappointing because I I felt that I had invested enough time and energy invested myself um, to at least have been considered for something. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they, I don't, and it doesn't matter. Send this podcast to them. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is where I'm at now on the yeah. All-American Dream yeah. Podcast. <laughs> that's right. Isaac's got something to say. Yeah. No. And I've shared it before. I, and, I, and, yeah. and it's, I don't, it's no regrets. It's, I, was, I was able to reinvent and retool. But what I, what I will say, and, and so in part of that, and part of that burn the boats mentality, I was, I will be transparent and disclose this. I had my head full of people like Eric Thomas and Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. and John Maxwell and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, right? So I think maybe if I were to put an asterisk behind that, don't, uh, you know, behind that burn the boats, make sure you're armed with that type of input in your head so that way you can see and that's why that why question when i'm talking to my folks about buying a house and i ask why what's going on is so important because i mean we're in the industry we know that some of these scenarios can turn bad really fast Mm -hmm. if someone did not do their job if you didn't front load the questions and really get the information it can turn really ugly for folks i mean it was it I'm a real estate agent, and it's super hard for me to buy a house, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so we experience some of that as well. And and so if you know your why, then the times that is really suck, <laughs> you can get through because your why is that important, You and you've identified it. And so mine was, hey, this has to work because there is, there is no plan B. There's not. I'm there burning the boats. And so, you know, I... I, it was a lot of time. It was a lot of door knocking. It was a lot of calls. It was a lot of contacts. It was a lot of messaging out there. Um, a lot of consumption of, of tactics um, from Gary Keller. You know, Gary Keller is a big influence in my life. Gary Vaynerchuk's a big influence in my life. 
And Gary Acosta is a very big influence in my life, and he is the uh, the co-founder of 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 NAREP and Latitude as well, which is a which is an annual business convention which features all of the top top in entertainment and business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So it matters just as much what you do as the mindset that you have Absolutely. and the people that you listen yeah, to. Absolutely. Great piece of advice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a wonderful episode and we loved having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the All American Dream Podcast. We hope you loved it as much as we did. For more content, please follow us on Instagram at All American Dream Podcast. We look forward to chatting with you soon.